Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me on the show again today. And today is part two of our panel discussion around finding funds. So last week I was joined um, on the panel by uh, Bronwyn Verncombe, uh, Nana Piercy, Anthony Boyce, Dominic Hardy and we had a special well, this week, you're actually going to hear a special guest appearance from Sergio Grandi. And so we were having this conversation, this panel discussion around finance. We were working through the sequence of um, institutional finance or sometimes more traditional finance. We drifted into alternative financing. And this week, we take alternative financing on to the next level and also start to talk about creative financing. So just a quick recap on that. Um, traditional or institutional finances the banks and the high street lenders and the people that you often would find in the yellow pages or the Google, uh, the Google <laughs> or Google. And um, uh, alternative finance, it still looks and feels like finance, but comes from an alternative channel, an alternative source. So it could be friends and family members, for example, it could be a crowdfund- crowdfunding platform. That's alternative finance. And then the third broad category is, is, um, is something that mimics financing but isn't financing and uses contractual structures to achieve a similar result. So um, we'll talk it, talk about that later, but things like exchange with delay completion, lease or land options, rent to rent even, would be examples of that. So we're going to get into the conversation and I'll come back and I'll summarise in a minute, but uh, we'll pick up the conversation right now then. And then the second thing is, Bromin, you just said in particular, you don't ask people for money. I think a few people just said, we don't ask people for money. And because, um, you know, it can feel a bit dirty, can't it? You know, and um, but it should happen naturally, you know, almost. Uh, wh- how have you found that? So two, two sides to that, I guess. The value and service element that's being spoken about and also the idea of sort of how to approach people and, and, and interest them perhaps in, in collaborating and then putting their money into our projects. And Nana, we haven't heard from you for a while, so why don't you kick us off? Yeah, so from my end, uh, the investor that uh, that I mentioned about the profit split and then the, the new uh, loan agreement that we have, he's uh, very knowledgeable about like finance and inflation, etc., investing. So he knows that, uh, he and he really is like a risk averse, so he likes to spread his eggs so it was really straightforward. He just saw that we were, me and my fiance was very into this property and going to the UK regularly. And he started to ask questions, how does it work? And, you know, seeing that we're taking it seriously. And then he was like, okay, but is there any chance that I like can invest uh, with you guys? Or, And we were like, yeah, of course. And then... You know, so it came naturally while I, re- I remember in the beginning after we have like taken the course, we were like fired up and there's all of this other people's money. So we were like, 
going and pitching, you know, like, yeah, 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 it's better than the bank. It's better than the bank. And people were like, like, mm, you know, you're you're too silly, silly. So yeah, that I think that's the way to do it, to just show them what you do and then they will obviously come by the by themselves. Build it and they will come. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Sergio was going to join us on this call today, and uh, he he had some, another commitment, and um, so he wasn't able to. But he did actually give me a little voice clip. I was going to actually play it for you, and then see see what what you think about it. In fact, I'm going to do that if you bear if you indulge me, and hopefully it will come out. So, give me a thumbs up if you can hear this. Hi everyone, it's Sergio here speaking. Um, as a way of introduction. I have been a property investor for just under a year. I have a HMO property in Liverpool, and I'm now looking at uh, increasing my private funds, which is obviously related to the conversation that's uh, happening today. And I just wanted to share quickly my uh, strategy, which has been to mention what I'm doing to the people around me, and as Richard and I uh, like to call it, um, throwing pebbles at people, uh, obviously, um, in a gentle way. And this is proven quite successful so far. I have almost secured £100,000 from um, two people. And I'm talking to another uh, three more people to secure a further uh, £50,000. And it's uh, literally just been talking about what I do, uh, the things I have done with my HMO property in the last year and the things I'm looking to do. And yeah, it's been uh, difficult because you don't really know how to approach it at first, but the more you talk about it, the easier it gets and the more natural it comes out, which obviously it gives a lot more confidence to people. Um, I never ask for money. I just talk about the things that I do, which um, seems to be working. So yeah, that's a little bit of an insight in the approach I've taken. It works well so far, and I hope it can work for you as well. Good luck. So I wanted to share that because I thought it was appropriate at this point. Um, but I saw a lot of nodding going on. Do you resonate with a lot with uh, with Sergio was saying there, everybody? Yeah, definitely. I think um, yes. I think what Nana and Bronwyn have said as well, it's not about asking for money. So it's just about telling people what you do and perhaps what you can offer them. So I think my JV partner from back in 2019, um, one of his goals was to invest in property. And we just kind of got speaking because obviously that was what I was doing at the time. And um, it just naturally came up that maybe we should invest in property together. It's never about like, how much money have you got. It's just that was actually one of his goals for the year. So it was just, uh, yeah, worked out well, but just by telling people what I do. And and I want, just want to plug in on that. Uh, to, and especially today's age, you know, with social media, it's really easy to people to follow you. And if you, if you just document your journey, and that's what we are doing, me and uh, Emily, uh, we're just documenting and people reach out. It's just coming like... Yeah, that's interesting, Bronwyn. You and I were having a pre-chat, weren't we? And we started talking almost about the capital, what I refer to as the capital stack and 
this has taken us a little bit into that direction, but I saw you nodding away, so I'm sure you've got a few things you perhaps wanted to add there. Well, you know, I think the capital stack um, was all about how do you how do you use different elements um, in your property journey. One was knowledge, wasn't it? Um, there's quite a few here. I've written some of them down. <laughs> the social media, you know, we've just heard Nana talk about. The big thing for me was was human capital. Was was working with other people and making sure that I could work with experts, uh, which would save me time. And whilst I might give some of my profit away, um, uh, it's going to be a lot quicker in the long run <laughs> for me to work with people who perhaps, you know, are one or, or 10 steps ahead of me. So, so I've worked a lot with, with other people to show me what to do, but also to joint venture with me. So hence the builder, um, the, the conversion to six flats. That was actually the person that did the conversion that he was part of the JV. So rather than me pay him on, on a contractual basis, you know, come in and do it. I can look over your shoulder, but actually you get a share of the profits. Now you have to be careful there because you've got to balance the profit bit of it. <laughs> but, you know, if they know what they're doing, they're going, they're, they'll be telling you, well, you know, I'd be happy with a, an X percent um, share or whatever it might be. But, you know, if you've got, if you, if you're building your network and you find these people and, and you resonate with them and you've got similar values, then actually it's quite easy to start working with them. But you've got to do your due diligence on them because, you, you know, you can't just meet them and have a couple of meetings and then off we go. You've got to have a signed agreement. You've got to be, you know, you've got to know that if something goes wrong in this project and things do go wrong, <laughs> That you know you'll you'll be able to to work it out together, and that you know if the, if there was heaven forbid a loss situation, that 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 also you know you'd you'd be able to talk it through. So um, so yeah, working with other people, experts is really important. Um, I'm in Africa at the moment. I've been volunteering in Namibia for seven months. I've been doing what I love and what I'm passionate about. And the important thing um, is is how do I set up my systems and my people that means they can manage my properties and even build houses for me while I'm away and that's you know that's not easy but you know over over a long period of time we've been able to establish that and and make it work for us Again, so many good points. And, and well, let's just dwell on you know, one really big one which you know doesn't often get spoken about. And I think it's um about you know, working with other people and correctly documenting, you know, what what the roles and relationship and, and the returns expectations actually are. And I think equally earlier, you know, the point was made about, you know, you can't just pitch someone to work with you on a joint venture basis, joint venture being there's a degree of um, risk in the return. Um, it's not necessarily a fixed return. It could be a variable return, whether it's a profit share or something like that. You can't just walk up to someone and pitch them. There are rules and regulations um, that the Financial Conduct Authority lays down. And they're laid down to protect, you know, everyday investors. They call them retail investors, but everyday investors who are not so, you know, savvy or sophisticated around these sort of structures. So get familiar with the rules. I've written a little bit about that in various places. I'm not, this isn't a plug for the book. It's just I've written about it. I'm happy to share those links, but look up at FCA uh, PS133 and you'll know who you can pitch under what circumstances there. But if it's a fixed rate loan basis, you're usually good to go. 
if it's a variable profit basis, then you need to check that that person is able to invest in that way. Is someone looking to contribute to that part? I see a bit of nodding. Okay. And then what? And the, from an agreement point of view, again, even if it's your best friend, even if it's, you know, a family member, always, always, always put the thing in writing. Um, um, again, that's, that's just a really good, sensible thing to do because people's perspective of things can be different. People's relationships can change over time and people's circumstances definitely change as well. And, you know, the project could, uh, could kind of go into a different direction perhaps to what you were imagining. So just, I dwells on that fact. I just wanted to get it out. But, uh, <laughs> and that doesn't, let me, let me just add a little bit. That doesn't need to be anything hugely complicated either. You know, it can be bullet points. You know, we call it heads of terms, you know, just put some bullet points down. This is what I think we're agreeing. <laughs> this is me. This is you. You know, anything else you want to add, let's make sure that we're comfortable with it. Um, and then you sign it. You know, it doesn't have to be massively complicated um, on a loan basis, in, in my opinion, anyway, <laughs> my experience. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think it just it needs to be written. <laughs> That's the main thing. So um, if, it's, if you've got a napkin and you're sat in a bar, write it down on the napkin and, you know, you're good to go, I'm sure. But uh, exchange of emails also counts. So that's cool. So um, where I'm just thinking about where we are with the timings. And, you know, we've spent a bit of time on the uh, alternative. I could probably talk all day to you guys. But um, um, and Nana sent me a private message and he's saying, can we start talking about things like rent to rent? Um, and basically, Yes, you can, Nana, because we want to talk about creative financing and rent to rent is very much in the category of creative financing. So um, let's just, you know, what is people's experience in terms of you know, creative financing? So what I mean is using things like commercial contractual arrangements, which mimic or mirror financing, but it isn't a traditional loan agreement. It isn't necessarily coming through that kind of source. Anybody got that kind of experience they want to share? And Nana, come on, you wanted to talk about rent to rent. Start us off. <laughs> okay, so uh, we we've been mainly very heavy on the rent to rent. So before the pandemic, we had uh, guarantee rent, and then on the new projects that we took on, we and the JV partners that we have in in Swansea spoke with the landlord and said instead of we giving you a guarantee rent because it's uncertain times now with COVID and et cetera, let's do a profit split. So that's what we, we negotiated with the landlord. So if it was empty, we didn't lose any money. If it was full, we all gain on it. So uh, yeah, that's was what I had. <laughs> okay. Well, just to clarify, so rent to rent is where you actually would rent from a property owner and then you would sublease effectively or sublet to people occupying the property. Usually it works better where you can, you know, have a multi-let or an HMO style arrangement or perhaps serviced accommodation where you're going into high yield sorts of models. I've seen it work on single let type of properties, but usually the margin between what you pay out and what you're collecting isn't always what it, you know, it needs to be to make it enough money. But that's just to put it out there, what is rent to rent? But you've basically gone a stage further in saying that you're going to almost have some sort of performance related measure there. So you'll pay 
nothing if it I guess it was nothing if the property is empty but you you your profit share with the property owner if um, if it's occupied is that right exactly you explain it so good Richard <laughs> well it, I've made it my business too now because I've just bought a business called capital living in London and that's their business model so I kind of had to brush up and get uh, get familiar with the model a bit more than I probably was before so there we go. And anybody else done any other types of, or even rent to rent or creative um, types of structures which mimic financing? Um, I mean, we've got a few uh, delayed completion sort of deals in the pipeline. I, I guess um, it's not—it's an option, isn't it? I guess you're you're promising to buy something in the future once planning gain is achieved um, at um, well, set the price, and you're hoping. Or you're uh, you're betting on, I guess the uh, the price going up once you once you've gained planning, really. Um, so yeah, we've done that on a few uh, commercial conversions. Um, again, that helps when you come to the, um, the 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 loaning stage for the development finance. Your GDV um, once you've got planning on a on a property goes up, so you're able to borrow more against it. Um, and then a bigger thing we've got. Have you ever heard of a promotional agreement? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, a similar concept. It's uh, we've we've set an option price, but during that time, we're we're able to promote the site uh, to various hopeful, well, hopefully buyers, uh, try and gain planning and basically increase the, um, the, the 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 price of the site, and everybody takes a, a cut of the uplift at that point. So that that's a, a good, well, hopefully that would be a very nice way for the owner to benefit and and ourselves as well. There, just through the power of the network, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because you've basically outlined three different contractual arrangements around the idea of uplifting the value of a property primarily. And what's your day job again? Yeah, so you're involved in in architecture and probably get involved in planning permissions as well, right? So, yeah. Um, exchange with delay completion, just so you know, we were you know explaining the terminology. You know, typically you'll have a same day, you know, exchange and completion or perhaps one or two week gap. That's kind of the market norms generally. But I guess with exchange, you know, a delayed completion, it would be an extended period of time, um, you know, typically months, um, you know, between the exchange and the actual legal completion, which allow you. So the thing there, though, is that you contractually committed, okay, once you've exchanged contracts. Whereas if you take a land option or purchase option, you have a right to buy that property, but not the obligation. So uh, the obligation is with the exchange with delay completion, not with the option. So I'm just term- explaining some of the terminology. And, and you talked about the performance um, contract. Some people might call that an assisted sale. It's basically it's an agency type of arrangement where you wouldn't necessarily step into the ownership uh, legal chain of that particular property as well. So you kind of, you've filled, filled the house there, Anthony, with all... <laughs> of those particular contractual arrangements but the point being there's a variation which is sort of when you talked about performance there's a conditional exchange as well that you can have so you can have an exchange with delay completion with a time delay you can also have an exchange with delay completion based on a certain thing happening such as gaining planning permission so that can de-risk your investment or at least not necessarily de-risk if you've got a contractual commitment but it can certainly um, avoid some of the finance costs for example um, and um, you know that comes into play. So yeah, an awful lot there. Who can beat that? Who can trump that? Well, it's one one deal I can think of, Richard, which um, you probably know all about because you you helped us with it. Um, so it was exchange with delayed completion. 
as well. Um, and the uh, seller also loaned us, I think, uh, 25000 to help with the refurb work. Um, and I think that was interest-free as well. So that was, uh, if I remember rightly. But um, So yes, that was a very good deal. So um, we had to obviously pay for the rest of the refurb work ourselves and then refinance. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, just to dwell on that quickly, uh, I think I, I am familiar with it. You're right. And um, the... So apart from the exchange with delay completion, which, which was um, you know contract favourable, uh, the, there was an interest-free loan. The, the what was really important there was two things. One is the circumstances that the um, the seller found themselves in. They had a bit of a bind, really. They they had this sort of property which it couldn't be sold to a homeowner because it had an ensuite in a, in a lounge, and it and it couldn't uh, really be an HMO because it had no communal space. So they were stuck uh, with this property. Unfortunately, our packager had left them in that place. And they didn't, you know, it was hard for them to go either way. So they needed someone to come and sort of work with them who knew how to get them out of that particular hole. Um, and, and that's kind of what you and I did, Dominic, eventually. But equally, that particular owner was a finance director in a large company. And anybody who knows anything about finance directors in large companies knows that they're pretty sophisticated. You know, they know their way around numbers. So we could talk to him about what was involved and he understood the concepts. So I think, you know, the, the person on the other side, it's really handy if they can kind of end in that place so they understand it better. I think it was a little old lady, you know, it might have been, I wouldn't have actually pitched it, frankly, because, you know, I'm not diminishing any little old ladies, but I'm just saying that, you know, if it was a pension, it was the only property and she just wanted to move out to be closer to her kids or something, maybe it's not the right sort of thing to pitch, maybe not. So the person that you're dealing with is also important. But come on, Bronwyn, you're dying to speak. Let's bring you back into the conversation. <laughs> I, I can speak for hours. But anyway, so, um, yeah, looking at alternative things, you've you've spoken by, uh, about quite a few. You've mentioned purchase lease options. That's one of my favourites when it works in the right way. And, and as you said, it's about all about the other person. This is not about... I'm trying to find a purchase lease option. This is more about spotting the opportunity when it arises. So purchase lease option is, is where you can give uh, the owner a return on their money now. So renting it for a period of time with the, with the potential to buy. You don't have to, um, but you have the option to buy. And you, usually you agree what that price is when you, when you set that agreement. Now, it's, it's a bit complicated. It's worth getting a bit of education around this subject if you do it. But when it works, it's fantastic. Um, and I've done that a couple of times on sort of larger properties. And then I've done a couple of long leases. So where the owner doesn't want to sell it, um, but they're happy to rent it. And then you think, well, OK, if I'm not going to end up owning it, then I, I don't want to spend a huge amount of money doing it up. Um, and, and meaning that that money I put into the property then is not, is not going to be of value to me. So I would, I would then prefer to lease it for a much longer period. So a typical purchase lease option might be five years. Um, but for me, if, I'm, if, if I want a property um, and they don't want to sell it to me, but I, but I still think it's going to work, then I'll do it for a long lease up to 12 years. So, you know, you, it doesn't really matter. I think it's really about understanding what the owner wants and needs and seeing if you can structure something that will work for both of you. And it, it's give and take with some of these agreements, I think. 
Yeah. It's interesting with the long lease. Uh, I don't know if they've come across it like something like a 12-year lease. That's interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. That's registered or recorded on, on the uh, land registry, I yeah. guess. Yes, it's, it's registered. Um, there's lots of ins and outs over, um, you know, break clauses and things like that. Really important. Uh, so you've got to get a really good solicitor who understands leases. You've also got to get the owner to have a really good solicitor who understands leases. And that's the tricky thing because, you know, if, they, if they're not as so knowledgeable about this, then it, it, it can cause a few problems. But I've certainly been able to take over a property whilst we still negotiated that. So if you, you know, if you get on with the person and, you know, they want to work with you, you can work with the lawyers over a period of time and make it make it work. Um, but yeah, it gives gives me the comfort that it's worth me investing money because I'll get the return on it. So. Well, that's I think I was surmising what what the benefit would be, and, and that means that it's a halfway house, isn't it? You know, uh, so to speak, you you can get a long term commitment that you've got control over that property that you can use yeah. it, and then if you need to spend some money, you know, to perhaps uh, you know you repurpose it or whatever to your own needs for whatever purpose that was, then you can you've got some justification. Uh, mm-hmm maybe have 7, 10, 12 years yeah. to get return on your, uh, or get payback on your yeah. investment. They, they can also, of course, then decide that they would like to sell it to you. <laughs> right. So um, I think, you know, over a period of time, so the one I've got in mind, I think five years now, um, you know, we, we're getting on very well and, you know, we're understanding each other. Because, you know, there's, there's often conversations you have to have, you know, because they're responsible for a certain proportion of the work in terms of the externals and we we determine what we do internally you've got, you've got to keep those conversations going and if you end up getting on and their, their circumstances change they may well change their minds so you know you hope <laughs> if it's working for all of you that you can make it easy for them and buy it at some point in the future so so I think it's a good strategy yeah but you know we've come across it over a period of time as we've as we've been learning now that I understand, well, the thing is, is you know, as we learn, as we grow, we do, you know, take on more. Um, it's you know, there isn't, you know, we can't apply fifty odd strategies overnight, and we might not ever want to apply fifty strategies either. So I think you know, it's for me, it's about using the right tool for the right job. And sometimes the, you know, as Anthony was kind of saying, you know, he's got three tools for the planning job. He mentioned he's probably got more, but you know, is it delayed completion? Is it a performance, you know, contract? Um, or what was the other one? Uh, forgotten now, but yeah, the one in the middle. Um, you know, so it's basically just getting the right tool, which is really the right financing solution for the right job at hand, and you know, not over-engineering it and making it overly complex. And I think, you know, Bromley, just to pick up what you said there, but I call it the Trojan horse technique. So if you can, you know, step into an arrangement whether that's through some sort of lease arrangement, but really you quite like to buy that property. Um, you don't necessarily need to go for the kill, so to speak, with the first you know, um, transaction. You can get to know one another, um, build a relationship, and then over time perhaps go for the, well, maybe you'd like to sell this to me and you know, agree, agree a price, or maybe you'd like to give me an option as well as you know, the, the, the term there. So I think... Having conversations with people is really the key there when it comes to this alternative space and the creative space. 
Um, you know what, guys? I could keep talking for hours, literally. And um, unfortunately, the, our listeners might not really get the, you know, they might be losing us at this point. So um, it might be a cue for a follow-up, but I think probably in the interest of, uh, of time for the podcast this time, um, and maybe start to draw a bit of a close. And um, maybe if you can start thinking about whether you've got any top tips uh, or any major, you know, don'ts, pitfalls, etc. Now's the time to sort of bring them out as we sort of draw a little bit of a close to this particular episode. So there's one thing that hasn't come up in the conversation this uh, on this occasion, and I um, I think it might be worth mentioning that I've I've been able to borrow from people's pension funds. Now we call SIPs or SASs. Um, SAS is a small self-administered scheme. Uh, and a SIP is a self-invested pension plan. Now, depending on that that person's pension um, advice, um, it's absolutely possible for them to lend to you to you as an investor would, but with the right paperwork in place. So that's that's always an interesting thing, and I'm always happy to chat to people outside of this. I'm not a pensions advisor. I'm not giving anyone any, any advice. But I found this early on that um, it opened my eyes up, you know, when someone said, oh, I'd like to invest with you, um, but it's going to be through my SIP. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> how do you do that then? So, yeah, happy to, to share my knowledge on that. Um, it's, it's often, uh, you know, people worry about it, but um, there's a lot of investors out there with pensions that they want to get a good return on. So. Mm. Really good tip. And I think, you know, you, you probably know this, but um, I heard a stat that the average fund value of a SAS recently, uh, according to a survey by a well-known um, uh, SAS provider or something, was about £300,000. So, um, you know, that was the value of the pension pot. And often people think, well, I can't do anything with that. I can't touch it until I'm at least 55 years old, um, possibly a little bit longer. But actually, you can still utilise it for your benefit. Um, and by the way, if you're interested in working with someone and looking over their shoulder, it's a really neat way um, of doing that. But again, I take what you're saying, uh, Bronwyn. There's a lot of things we're talking about today. That this is not financial advice. You know, everyone needs to get seek their own financial advisor. Uh, I think we've kind of covered ourselves with disclaimers with that sort of thing. So, but there's a really good one about the the SAS and the SIP, and I'm glad you remembered what they stood for as well. <laughs> so that, that was really handy. So, uh, and Cindy and Dominic, you're off mic. So uh, who's got a tip or a watch out for? Um, well, in terms of tips, I was just going to say that, yeah, you probably have more more funds around you than you think, um, like savings, ISAs, um, shares, or even equity in your own property that you could um, you know, refinance to actually access that capital and then use that to, to invest and then going further than that. You know, you have obviously family, friends and colleagues that we've spoken about before. Although, again, another tip obviously is not just to go around asking people for money, but more to probably tell people what you do and what you can offer them and then see if they're interested in actually investing with you. Yeah, I'd love to have dived into that a bit more to be honest, particularly that you've got more money around you than you perhaps realise. And I refer to being, being your own bank. Um, you know, a lot of people, pensions are a good example. People have worked for a long time and they've got old pensions. Well, they don't think they can access that. Well, it is actually possible. Um, yeah. Under the, in, yeah, you know, you're a contractor, aren't you? So you just, you, well, just on that, I do have an old workplace pension, which um, I, I actually didn't realise until a little while ago. And I've been trying to move that over to a SAS. So it's taking a little bit of time, but 
it's that's one of my aims as well to to get that into assessment and I can access that to invest further. Yeah, I think I'm four months and counting with my pension transfer to my SAS, but you know, it's worth it in the end. Mm-hmm. Good one, thanks, Dominic. And Anthony, you're on bated breath. Um, yeah, I'd, well, I think this ties in with your book, probably, Richard. But educate yourself in in what is possible uh, with different strategies and different ways of financing things and how to structure deals because all of a sudden the deals get bigger and they don't cost you that much more. So just being able to have a conversation with, you know, commercial property owners and things like that, we are a lot more open to uh, to these creative deals. So yeah, just, just educate yourself and have a conversation with people when, you, when you're doing your viewings really. Educate, have a conversation. Couldn't agree more. And I think uh, you know the, the level of sophistication with people in commercial properties is likely to be higher. So you you might fall on you know more fertile ground by doing that for sure. So yeah, thanks for plugging the book as well. By the way, July around about that sort of time, you might be able to get a copy of the complete guide to property finance. But before we, we overkill my plugs on books and things, no, 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 come on, you're you're there waiting. So uh, I will actually. Uh, press on the the social media. That's really, really important in this day and age. So uh, you should, I think you should start building your brand. So if you build a brand, people will be uh, like into that brand and know who you are. And yeah, build your online presence. That's my take. That's a really important tip as well. I think, you know, if you're going to be, let's say, a professional investor or developer and in it for the long term and perhaps doing larger, more complex deals where you do need to raise significant funding and everybody runs out of funds eventually, no matter how deep your pockets are, then, you know, have building authority, building a brand presence, um, you know, it, having a, a network are all really valuable um, things. So that's such a, an important key point. And funny enough, I know... Nearly all of the people on this panel are very good at that uh, that type of thing. Uh, we've got an extra guest, actually. We might bring her into the conversation in a minute. I, people that have not been able to watch this don't know what I'm talking about, but we've got a, a three-year-old who's join, joining the conversation, wants to join the conversation. But um, equally, uh, I think, you know, brand, uh, social media, um, things like, you know, leading a networking group or publishing a book, you know, is not necessarily for everyone. But you could still have a conversation with, you know, someone uh, in your network who you've worked with, a family member, a friend, and just tell people what you did. So, uh, and, and sooner or later, as Sergio says, not throw pebbles at people, but throwing pebbles into I thought throwing pebbles into a lake and watch the ripple. And that's kind of the analogy there. Well, that was interesting, I found. It's really what was really interesting is that some of the similarities that people were coming out, the people on the panel were coming out with. And you know, one of the things that we started off in, in part two was don't ask for money. Seems weird, doesn't it? We were going looking for money. Now, when I say looking for money, we're looking for funding for our viable property investments and developments. So it's, it's not a dirty thing. It's just a natural process. It's just like a business needs investment to you know, undertake its business activities. And it's the same with property. But to go out and just ask people for money, it's not very elegant. <laughs> Normally pushes people away. I think it was Nana who said it sounds a bit salesy. And, you know, it's just, it's just not the done thing, really. 
So I think just showing and telling people what you do, and often people will come and, and ask you questions, show interest in you. So just let it happen naturally, have conversations with potential investors, and it will come. And I shared the clip from Sergio. Um, I'm glad that came out, actually. I was a bit nervous at the time because I'd never done anything like that before. So I just played this WhatsApp, you know, audio clip and the panelists could actually hear it. So that was great. He actually talked about throwing pebbles at people. <laughs> I think he kind of got the analogy we were speaking about a little bit mixed up, but hopefully that was clarified by the end. What, I'm, what I normally say is throw, throw little pebbles into a lake. And normally you see a ripple effect. And you just don't know where the ripple's going to lead to. And uh, that's what that comment was all about. And of course, you know, any type of collaboration, in fact, a collaboration could be with an investor, could be with an owner. And by the way, an owner could be your next investor. So have conversations with people. Just talk, really. And uh, I think it does matter about the person's circumstances, about their level of commercial or um, acumen, if you like. Uh, and, you know, I think it was Anthony who was saying that often, you know, corporates or um, um, commercial property owners might be more you know, up for a conversation around some creative structuring. And so that's all about the level of sophistication, how savvy that particular individual is. Some, some great tips about, you know, documenting uh, your journey, but also documenting the agreement. So there's some different types of documentation come out there. Trying to work with experts so that you reduce your risk and you incre increase the chances of success with your project and work with people with shared values as well. There were some other things. Keep yourself safe in terms of the regulations. There's a signpost to FCA PS133. It's not so exciting, but it's very, very essential. And, and essentially what that means is don't pitch investments to people who it's not appropriate to pitch them to. Don't pitch you know, joint ventures to people who are not sophisticated or high net worth investors, in other words. Then we started to talk about some of the um, alternative, so not even alternative, creative financing structures. And I just did a quick note as we were rattling through them. We, had, we covered rent-to-rent, -rent, exchange with delay completion, conditional completion, land and purchase options, promotional agreement, a vendor loan, a purchase lease option, a long lease. And um, later on, we started to talk about investing through pension funds such as SAS, SIP, and, and crystallizing old pensions. I think I've covered most of it. Uh, no, no, in fact, Dominic threw a few more in. I'm just looking at my own notes. Dominic threw a few more later on saying, you know, you have more funds around you than you think you have. Things like stocks and shares or your ISA, funds you might have tied up in your own company, which you can access. Um, funds or equity that's tied up in, in property, whether it's your own home or investment properties, friends and families around you and acting as being, being your own bank were all mentioned as well. So the key was about having conversations, um, being natural about it, um, documenting and showcasing what you do and, um, you know, strong networking, perhaps building authority and brand through publications and social media presence and throwing pebbles at people. Uh, or rather throwing pebbles into a lake and just seeing what happens. So hopefully you've uh, enjoyed that panel discussion over the last couple of weeks. Clearly there's so much we could cover uh, and we had to focus on a few of those, but you got some insights from the panel about what they're doing, uh, a, a number from me as well. And I, I hope it's been useful uh, in terms of this property core skill. Uh, 
So to summarize the show notes for today's episode and indeed last week's episode will be over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net. Indeed, all of the links to our panelists will be in the show notes as well. So if you'd like to reach out to them and connect with them, I'll be tagging them in social media as well. So if you follow me on social media, you'll probably see a few tags to some of our guests. So by all means, say hello and uh, reach out to them. I'm sure they look forward to hearing from you. But I guess for now, all that remains to be said is thank you very much for listening again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.